find ourselves in the book of Acts today. So I want to invite you to follow along in chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if they found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, the way was just the people who were following Jesus, these new Christians. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and through his, though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And moving ahead to verse 17, we read, So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with your Holy Spirit excuse me, filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. Let's pray together. God of light. Inspire us this morning with your Holy Spirit. Restore our sight that in these words of Scripture and through this sermon that we may see Christ. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Famous commentator William Barclay calls this story one of the most famous or the most famous conversion stories in all of human history. So what is it that makes this story so powerful? You know, at the outset of this story, we see in Saul, who becomes Paul, someone who is bent on the destruction of those following Jesus. We see someone who believes not that it is an evil thing to do, but rather that it is right to persecute these people. In doing so, Saul believes that he is protecting the institution that he loves, that he is protecting the Jewish faith and temple practices. And so it is not that Saul sees what he is doing is evil. He believes he's doing what is right. And here... In chapter 9, this thing happens that transforms Paul, that that causes him to do a 180-degree turn away from what he was doing and to something new. And we read by halfway through this chapter that Paul or Saul, whatever you want to call him, is now proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. Barclay writes that as we read this story, we actually enter in to Saul's conversion experience. Hear that again, that as we read this story, we actually enter in to Saul's conversion experience. 
You see, what's powerful about this story is that we can identify what it might have been like to have an entire set of beliefs and way of looking at the world turned upside down. If you had a chance to read the sermon sneak peek this last week, uh, you might have a little insight into one of the evening rituals at the merchant household, uh, being that as yet we have uh, no children, but very soon. Um, evenings are pretty simple during the week. We come home and we make dinner together typically, and then we ask the question, what do you want to watch tonight? Right? Maybe you've asked that question to a loved one or a friend before. What do you want to watch tonight? On a whim, I decided to Google uh, how often that question is uh, asked on the internet. And what I found might surprise you. Um, I found a list on this digital marketing service of the commonly most searched questions uh, in Google. And uh, a few of these I think you would expect to find, and a few of these I think will be surprising. Moms, you will be glad to hear that near the top of the list is, when is Mother's Day? Followed closely by how to make money, as well as how to lose weight, and how many weeks are in a year. That was really high on the list, by the way. (laughs) But two in particular stuck out to me, and Mother's Day is next week, by the way, as well. But don't forget that. Um, The first I think you might anticipate, uh, making the top 100, was what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? But right next to it was how to make pancakes. (laughs) And I I think it's fascinating because it actually, just those two together, I think, give us a snapshot of the human condition. That is, that that we are these complex creatures capable of high-level thinking, pondering our place in the universe. But all of that is happening within the context of everyday life. We are simultaneously considering who God is and who God made us to be and trying to figure out how to make breakfast. And so we read Paul's story of conversion, and we not only identify how the world view has changed, but also we identify how this change would have impacted everyday life, right? It's not like things stopped happening around him as he made this change. Consider for a moment that he was brought up to become a Pharisee, a leader in the temple system, a religious leader well-respected with many friends and influence, and suddenly here with this conversion, with this change, it's gone. The friends are gone. The people who respected you are gone. Everything changed. What would that look like in your own life, to suddenly make a change like that. I believe we connect with this story because we can imagine what it would be like. We can imagine what it would be like to lose friends. We can imagine what it would be like to lose a job. And we can identify, at least to some degree, with Paul's story. So what is your story? What are those details, those moments, those failures, those successes, those things that that make you you, those, those events that have led to you sitting right here, right now? In 2017, in November, our congregation affirmed that God was calling Reverend Dr. Patrick Risley here to be the next senior pastor. 
And after that meeting, Patrick and his wife Kelly, they had to go back to DeLand and tell the congregation there uh, and begin preparing for their move and a start date that was set for January of 2018. And about this same time, a new slate of church officers were elected here, new members of our session and new members of the diaconate. And, And what happens every year is that the new class gathers together and they share their testimonies. They share their stories. Perhaps some of you in this room have been a part of that experience. In fact, this last year, it happened right here in this room. And so in early December, still more than a month before Patrick's official start date, the church officers gathered to share their stories. And Patrick showed up. He drove all the way from DeLand, Florida, to be there for this night, to hear their stories. And it was an incredible evening as people shared stories and we laughed together, we cried together. And after everyone had shared, Patrick stood up and, and he thanked them. He thanked them for sharing their stories, but, but he, he shared this term that I'd never heard before, but I've grown to love. He thanked them for sharing their gospelettes. He thanked them for sharing their little good news stories. Each one of us has the opportunity to be good news for other people when we're willing to get honest, when we're willing to be vulnerable, when we're willing to share how God has transformed our own lives. I asked you to read another passage in preparation for this morning, uh, the story of the prodigal son from Luke's 15th chapter. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you read it. Um, And if you're not, our kids are going to perform that as one of the stories uh, this morning. I heard another preacher once share his experience of finally understanding the story of the prodigal son for the first time. Now, it was a story you got to understand that he had read and heard countless times growing up and throughout seminary. But, but here he was in his first church preaching on the story of the prodigal son, and he read it to his congregation. This story of a son that tells his father that he knows best. This story of a son that, that leaves home and spends his entire inheritance on, as Luke puts it, reckless living. This story of a son that dishonors his family and the story of an ashamed guilt-ridden, broken boy who comes home to the loving, open arms of his father. As the preacher read the story to the congregation, he found himself weeping, understanding it for the first time, identifying with the lostness of the son and the love of the father. Friends, this is the power of story. Because as human beings, we have the cognitive ability to actually experience what the storyteller is explaining. Hear that again. We have the cognitive ability to, in hearing a story, actually share in the experience that's being shared. In a recently published article on the science of storytelling, Ankit Oberoi cites a couple of different scientific studies. Now, the first that he shares was this study done in the 1990s by Italian neurophysiologist Giacomo Rizzolatti. They were studying what areas of the brain were activated while monkeys performed various activities, such as grasping at food. 
Stay with me. This is going somewhere. Now, one day, as the, as the researchers were uh, eating lunch, he, he reached for his sandwich, and he noticed something odd on one of the monkey's monitors. The ventral premotor cortex, or the area of the brain that would normally react to the monkey grabbing food, lit up. Not as the monkey was grabbing its own food, but as he observed the researcher grabbing food. In this monkey's brain, the same activity was going on as if The monkey was grabbing at food, experiencing it as if it were real. In another study by Yuri Hassan of of Princeton University, it was discovered that when listening to another speaker tell a story, the same areas of both the speaker and the listener's brains would light up on an fMRI. The same areas of the brain would light up regardless of who was telling it, it actually experienced it, and, and, and and the person who was listening and experiencing it now through the storyteller. This extends even to sensory and motor neurons in our brains. And it's why this sentence, with his long nails, the boy proceeded to scrape down a blackboard, makes most of us cringe. Because our brains fire and we experience it as if it's happening. So what is your story? What is your gospelette? What is your good news story? Because when you share how you've experienced the transformative grace of God in your own life, the people you share it with get to taste it as well. Friends, when we are vulnerable, when we are willing to be truthful about how we have struggled, about our failures, And we are truthful about how God has worked in and through them to transform us as God's people. People tangibly experience the grace of God as well. And conversion begins. Can you see how this is a self-perpetuating powerful cycle? So what is your story? Share it. 